You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Vera Bittner, President of the National Lipid Association. I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Alan Brown and presented by the National Lipid Association. Welcome to Lipid Luminations. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Brown. Our guest today is Dr. Penny Chris Etherton, Distinguished Professor of Nutrition in the Department of Nutritional Sciences at the Pennsylvania State University. Dr. Chris Etherton, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you. And uh, in this era of talking about reducing health care costs, everyone is discussing insurance and little attention has been paid to the epidemic of obesity and the diseases associated with lifestyle. We're excited to have you to discuss lifestyle issues. And as you know, September is National Cholesterol Education Month. So I wonder if we could start by asking you what lifestyle strategies could be implemented to treat what we think is the major lipid target, at least, LDL lowering. Well, people can do a lot to lower their LDL cholesterol with diet and physical activity. In the ATP3 book, there's a table that shows cumulative LDL reductions with major and other LDL-lowering options. So by decreasing saturated fat to less than 7% of calories from our current intake of about 11%, we can lower LDL cholesterol about 8 to 10%. And by reducing dietary cholesterol to less than about 200 milligrams per day, we can lower it another 3 to 5%. And then just losing 10 pounds, we can lower LDL cholesterol 5 to 8%. Then, you know, incorporating viscous fiber in our diet, just 5 to 10 grams a day, will lower LDL cholesterol 3 to 5%. And 2 grams of plant sterols and stanols per day will lower it a lot, 6 to 15%. And then not listed on this table are some other interventions like a little bit of soy protein may lower LDL cholesterol an additional 3%, and then decreasing trans fats can have, you know, a modest reduction. So collectively, the cumulative estimate can be 20 to 30%, even a little bit higher, just with those lifestyle interventions. That's fascinating. You're getting close to starting doses of statins. Absolutely. And what is the effect of those interventions, namely reducing saturated fat, reducing dietary cholesterol, weight loss, increasing fiber, what effect does that have on HDL cholesterol? Well, especially with weight loss, HDL cholesterol will increase. And then along with moderate physical activity, HDL will increase as well. So what can physicians and other health professionals do in clinical practice to try to help their patients achieve these goals? Well, Dr. Robert Echo gave a great talk at an American Heart Association meeting in 2005. And he was president at that time. His talk was about lifestyle changes, and he told physicians about conducting a three-minute lifestyle interview for nutrition and physical activity. There are about six questions for each topic, maybe a few more for nutrition. And these are the questions that physicians can ask their patients and then follow up with recommending that they follow these dietary practices. So for nutrition... How many servings of fruits and vegetables do you eat each day? How many servings of whole grains do you eat each day? How many servings of fish do you eat each day? Do you eat desserts and how often? What are your favorite snack foods? 
Do you eat because you're hungry or because there's food around? Do you weigh the most now that you've ever weighed? And are you interested in losing weight? And the last question I think gets at how motivated they are to do something about their current weight. Then in terms of physical activity, the three-minute lifestyle interview is as follows. How many steps do you take each day? Do you have a regular exercise program? Do you typically take elevators or escalators or climb the stairs? Do you park the car as close as you can to your destination? What limits your level of physical activity? And have you been evaluated for this? And would you like to become more active? Oh, that's fascinating. And anybody could do that in their office. And obviously attending to that may be a major opportunity for us. I think we worry about healthcare costs being related to technology and physician and hospital bills, but you would probably agree that our lifestyle is a major contributor to the, the cost of healthcare in the future. It really is. And, you know, physicians now, I think, have the ability to reach their patients very significantly and just help them start implementing these simple lifestyle practices. I saw one estimate that by 2100, 100% of Americans will be obese. Yeah. And a prediction that about one in three people will be diabetic if that happens. So I wonder if you, we could shift gears a little bit and talk about lifestyle interventions and the prevention of type 2 diabetes. Well, there are two very well-known studies that have been done, the Diabetes Prevention Program and the Look Ahead Study, which is ongoing right now that seem to be showing that lifestyle interventions beneficially affect, you know, diabetes and complications associated with diabetes. So in the Diabetes Prevention Program, with just diet and physical activity and a weight loss of about 7% body weight in individuals at high risk for developing diabetes, there was like a 58% reduction and a reduced cumulative incidence of developing diabetes of 58% with lifestyle interventions compared with a placebo. This study is showing just small changes in body weight can have very beneficial effects on the development of diabetes in people at high risk. Now, with the look-ahead study, again, this is ongoing. It's a study being done to look at lifestyle behaviors and practices in people with type 2 diabetes. And the intention of this program is to see what effects are of these lifestyle practices on cardiovascular disease incidents. So it's very interesting that many doctors and other healthcare professionals get kind of discouraged. They believe that patients uh, won't respond to weight reduction interventions. And of course, the data is a little discouraging that that patients will uh, often regain their weight unless they have appropriate habits. Yet I find in practice, explaining to the patients that 10% weight reduction should translate into almost a 60% reduction in the risk of diabetes has been quite effective. And uh, focusing on calories, at least initially with those patients, has been quite effective. I wonder if you have any other strategies that we can give to our physician colleagues who are listening and uh, what they should do to help initiate this 7 to 10% weight reduction? Well, I think one big problem for most people is portion control. And it's just amazing how portions are growing in size and consequently, 
you know, people are eating more and finding it more difficult to control calories. So I think that that is one thing that physicians can do along with other health professionals, and that is, you know, help people understand what, you know, a normal portion size is and how they can control calories that way. And then other simple tips, too, for reducing calories in foods people are already eating. And so, you know, if they could communicate messages about energy density and finding ways to just decrease energy density in foods people are eating. And good ways of doing that is incorporating fruits and vegetables in the diet. Now, fruits and vegetables are high in water and low in calories, and this is a great way to help people fill up, not on a lot of calories. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Lipid Luminations on ReachMD XM160. I'm Dr. Alan Brown. Our guest today is Dr. Penny Chris Etherton, Distinguished Professor of Nutrition in the Department of Nutritional Sciences at the Pennsylvania State University. And we're discussing diet and nutrition modifications to lower risk of cardiovascular disease. So, Dr. Chris Etherton, I wonder, continuing on the weight loss prevention of diabetes arena, do you have any commercial programs that you would recommend to help people lose weight for those physicians who may not have resources within their practice or any other suggestions of what they should do with their patients to start a weight reduction program? I do think that there are a lot of different programs out there. And new research, Frank Sachs' study that was published in New England Journal of Medicine in February is showing that you know, macronutrient composition is not the determining factor in terms of weight loss. At one point, we were saying, oh, go low fat. That's going to help lose weight. We even know from the Women's Health Initiative that that's not what's going to help people lose weight and maintain weight loss. And then we were, we were you know, focused on protein and carbs being the bad guy. And you know, recent research is showing that that's not what's really important and so Frank Sachs' research looked at higher-fat, lower-fat diets, consequently higher-carb, lower-carb diets with varying amounts of protein, high-protein, low-protein diet. And lo and behold, after a one-year period, now the macronutrient composition didn't matter. But the one finding that I find so fascinating is that what seemed to be a determinant of weight loss is you know, the number of classes and sessions that the subjects attended. And those who attended the most classes lost the most weight. So I really think if physicians and other health professionals can really help their patients get motivated and stay motivated, and whatever way that is, you know, now everybody is getting very interested in motivational interviewing and just finding things that will motivate people to basically stay motivated to follow a healthy diet for a long time. Yeah, there seems to be sort of a trend to be looking at, there are consultants available anyway who are looking at the workplace as an opportunity to reinforce on a daily basis what we tell patients in our office. Many of my patients are very motivated until they walk out of the office and then they get motivated about two days prior to their next office visit. Are you familiar with any programs that are uh, being done in the workplace to try and change the snacks that are around or 
try and uh, motivate patients towards healthy lifestyle? There are quite a few out there, and in particular, American Heart Association has one that I think is very good. And so it's a program that focuses on physical activity at the workplace. But, of course, you know, good nutrition at the workplace is something that's also important. And there are a lot of work sites that are paying attention to vending machines and cafeterias and making sure that healthy food options are available to the employees. In the end, it really pays off because a healthier employee is much more productive. What what about uh, people like myself who equate good times with a good restaurant? So those of us who like to go out and enjoy food for a number of reasons, what advice would you have for people who enjoy eating out and who do that on a routine basis? Well, I think that people should choose restaurants that do offer healthy options and just make sure that they don't overdo it when they go out. We tend to eat out a lot now. And so at one time, well, if we overdid it, we weren't doing it all the time, so it probably wasn't so bad. But now, since we eat out so regularly, I think it's really important that people do two things. Make sure that there are healthy options available at restaurants that they go to, and don't overdo it. Watch your portions. Portion sizes now at so many restaurants are just enormous. Maybe you want to think about choosing restaurants that offer half portions at not quite half the price or, you know, buy a full portion but have half of it bagged immediately. Share an entree with at least one other person, if not two. And then, of course, you know, skip dessert and go home and have a piece of fruit instead. Sure, that makes sense. I did want to just mention that the National Cholesterol Education Program has a wonderful interactive tool. A physician can go online and just type in, live healthier, live longer, and uh, it it helps their patients learn how to follow a cholesterol-lowering diet. And that's on the NSEP website? Yes. Live healthier, live longer. Yes. Very good. Excellent. We've been talking with uh, Dr. Penny Chris Atherton about diet and nutrition modifications to lower risk of cardiovascular disease. Dr. Chris Atherton, thank you very much for being our guest today. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Lipid Luminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, visit www.lipid.org.